0: This week on The Electric Academy, we talk about batteries. Hey everyone, I am back. It has been a long time since I've gotten an episode recorded. I apologize for that. As some of you know, I'm working on my master's right now, as well as we've got a lot of, well, not a lot. I've got a ton of little side projects on the go, so I'm working constantly on other things. But I wanted to get another episode out there. Just to let you know that I'm still out there, still breathing, and the Electric Academy is still going strong. It's just um, perhaps not as going to be as frequent as it normally is. But that's going to come back because my master's will be done in the new year, and then I'm back to it. So this morning, or this afternoon, or this evening, depending on whatever de- time of the day it is that you're listening to this, we're going to discuss what is a battery. So let's get started. Batteries are a collection of one or more cells whose chemical reactions create a flow of electrons in a circuit. All batteries are made up of three basic components. An anode, the negative side, the cathode, the positive side, and some kind of electrolyte, a substance that chemically reacts with the anode and the cathode. When the anode and the cathode of a battery is connected to a circuit, a chemical reaction takes place between the anode and the electrolyte. This reaction causes electrons to flow through the circuit and back into the cathode where another chemical reaction takes place. When the material in the cathode or anode is consumed or no longer able to be used in the reaction, the battery is unable to produce electricity. At that point, your battery is dead. Batteries that must be thrown away after use are known as primary batteries. Batteries that can be recharged are called secondary batteries. Without batteries, your cell phones, iPads, any electronic would have to be tethered to the wall. You'd have to hand crank your car, and your Xbox controller would have to be plugged in all the time, just like it was in the good old days. Like when I had the first generation Xbox, it was a real pain. Though, on side note, I did really I remember fondly having that rumble pack that you had to get. That was a pretty awesome. Again, but I digress. Batteries offer a way to store electrical potential energy in a portable container. The invention of the modern battery is often attributed to Alessandro Volta. It actually started with a surprising accident involving the dissection of a frog. Let's get into the history. Let's talk about the term battery. Historically, the word battery was used to describe a series of similar objects grouped together to perform a function, as in a battery of artillery. In 1749, Benjamin Franklin first used the term to describe a series of capacitors he had linked together for his electricity experiments. Later, the term would be used for any electrochemical cells linked together for the purpose of providing electrical power. One fateful day in 1780, Italian physicist, physician, biologist, and philosopher Luigi Galvani was dissecting a frog attached to a brass hook. As he touched the frog's legs with an iron scalpel, the leg twitched. Galvani theorized that the energy came from the leg itself, but his fellow scientist, Alessandro Volta, believed otherwise. Volta hypothesized that the frog's legs impulses were actually caused by different metals soaked in a liquid. He repeated the experiments using cloth soaked in brine instead of a frog corpse, which resulted in a similar voltage. Volta published his findings in 1791 and later created the first battery, the Voltaic Pile, in 1800. Volta's pile was plagued by two major issues. The weight of the stack caused the electrolyte to leak out of the cloth and the particular chemical properties of the components resulted in very short lifespan, about an hour. The next 200 years would be spent perfecting Volta's design and solving these issues. William Cruikshank of Scotland solved the leakage problem by laying the voltaic pile on its side to form the trough battery. The second problem, short lifespan, was caused by the degradation of the zinc due to impurities and a buildup of hydrogen bubbles on the copper. In 1835, William Sturgeon discovered that treating the zinc with mercury would prevent the degradation. The British chemist, John Frederick Daniel, used a second electrolyte that reacted with the hydrogen, preventing build-up on the copper cathode. Daniel's two-electrolyte battery, known as the Daniel cell, would become a very popular solution to providing power to the budding telegraph networks. In 1859, the French physicist Gaston Planté created a battery using two rolled sheets of lead submerged in sulfuric acid. By reversing the electrical current through the battery, the chemistry would recharge and return it to its original state, thus creating the first rechargeable battery. Later in 1881, Camille Alphonse Fior improved Pleante's design by forming the two lead sheets into plates. This new design made the batteries easier to manufacture, and the lead-acid battery sought widespread use in automobiles. Up until the late 1800s, the electrolyte in batteries was in a liquid state. This made battery transportation a very careful endeavor, and most batteries were never intended to be moved once attached to a circuit. In 1866, George Leclanté created a battery using a zinc anode, a magnesium dioxide cathode, and an ammonium chloride solution for the electrolyte. While the electrolyte in Leclanté's cell was still a liquid, the battery's chemistry proved to be an important step in the invention of the dry cell. Carl Gassner figured out how to create an electrolyte paste out of ammonium chloride and plaster of Paris. He patented the new dry cell battery in 1886 in Germany. These new dry cells, commonly called zinc carbon batteries, were mass-produced and proved hugely popular until the late 1950s. While carbon is not used in the chemical reaction, it performs an important role as an electrical conductor in the zinc carbon battery. In the 1950s, Louis Urie, Paul Marcel, and Carl Korsdeck of the United Carbide Company, later known as EverReady, and then Energizer, replaced the ammonium chloride electrolyte with an alkaline substance, based on the battery chemistry formulated by Waldemar Younger in 1899. Alkaline dry cell batteries could hold more energy than zinc carbon batteries of the same size and had a longer shelf life. Alkaline batteries rose in popularity in the 1960s, overtook zinc-carbon batteries, and have since become the standard primary cell for consumer use. In the 1970s, ComSat developed the nickel-hydrogen battery for use in communication satellites. These batteries store hydrogen in a pressurized gaseous form. Many man-made satellites, like the International Space Station, still rely on the nickel-hydrogen batteries. The research of several companies since the 1960s resulted in the creation of the nickel-metal hydride battery. Nickel-metal hydride batteries were released to the consumer market in 1989 and provided a smaller, cheaper alternative to the rechargeable nickel-hydrogen cells. SI Chemical of Japan built the first lithium-ion battery in 1985, and Sony created the first commercial lithium-ion battery in 1991. In the late 1990s, a soft, flexible casing was created for the lithium-ion batteries and gave rise to the lithium-polymer, or the LiPo battery. Now let's talk about the components of the battery. Batteries are made up of three basic components, an anode, a cathode, and an electrolyte. A separator is often used to prevent the anode and cathode from touching if the electrolyte isn't sufficient. In order to store these components, batteries usually have some form of casing. Both the anode and the cathode are type of electrodes. Electrodes are conductors through which electricity enters or leaves a component in the circuit. The anode. Electrons flow out from the anode in a device connected to the circuit. This means that conventional current flows into the anode. In a battery, the chemical reaction between the anode and the electrolyte causes a buildup of electrons in the anode. Those electrons want to move to the cathode, but can't pass through the electrolyte or separator. The cathode. Electrons flow into the cathode in a device connected to the circuit. That means that conventional current flows out from the cathode. In batteries, the chemical reaction in or around the cathode uses the electrons produced in the anode. The only way for the electrons to get to the cathode is through the circuit, external to the battery. Electrolyte The electrolyte is the substance, often a liquid or a gel, that is capable of transporting ions between the chemical reactions that happen in the anode and the cathode. The electrolyte also inhibits the flow of electrons between the anode and the cathode so that the electrons more easily flow through the external circuit rather than through the electrolyte. The electrolyte is crucial in the operation of a battery because electrons can't pass through it if they're forced to travel through the electrical conductors in the form of a circuit that connects to the anode and to the cathode. The separator. Separators are porous materials that prevent the anode and cathode from touching, which would cause a short circuit in the battery. Separators can be made from a variety of materials, including cotton, nylon, polyester, cardboard, and synthetic polymer films. Separators do not chemically react with each other in either the anode, cathode, or the electrolyte. Ions in the electrolyte can be positively charged, negatively charged, and can come in a variety of sizes. Special separators can be manufactured that allow some ions to pass but not others. The casing Most batteries need a way to contain their chemical components. Casing, otherwise known as housings or shells, are simply mechanical structures meant to hold the battery's internals. Battery casings can be made of almost anything. Plastic, steel, soft polymer laminate pouches, and so on. Some batteries use a conducting steel casing that is electrically connected to one of the electrodes. In the case of common AA batteries, the steel casing is connected to the cathode. Operation of a battery Batteries generally require several chemical reactions in order to operate. At least one reaction occurs in or around the anode, and one or more reactions occurs in or around the cathode. In all cases, the reaction at the anode produces extra electrons in the process called oxidization, and the reaction to the cathode uses extra electrons during a process known as reduction. In essence, we are separating a certain kind of chemical reaction, a reduction-oxidization reaction, or redox reaction, into two separate parts. Redox reactions occur when electrons are transferred between chemicals. We can harness the movement of electrons in this reaction to flow outside of the battery to power our circuit. Anode Oxidization The first part of the redox reaction, oxidization, occurs between the anode and the electrolyte and it produces electrons. Some oxidization reactions produce ions, such as in the lithium ion battery. In other chemistries, the reaction consumes ions, like in the common alkaline battery, In either case, ions are able to flow freely through the electrolyte where electrons can't. Cathode reduction The other half of the redox reaction, reduction, occurs in or near the cathode. Electrons produced by the oxidization reaction are consumed during reduction. In some cases, like lithium ion batteries, positively charged lithium ions produced during the oxidization reaction are consumed during reduction. In other cases, like alkaline batteries, negatively charged ions are produced during reduction. Electron flow. In most batteries, some or all the chemical reactions can occur when the battery is not connected to a circuit. These reactions can impact a battery's shelf life. For the most part, the reactions will only occur at full force when an electrically conductive circuit is completed between the anode and the cathode. The less resistance between the anode and cathode, the more electrons are allowed to flow and the quicker the chemical reaction occurs. We can pass these moving electrons through various electrical components known as a load in order to accomplish something useful. The dead battery The chemicals in the battery will ultimately reach a state of equilibrium. In this state the chemicals will no longer have a tendency to react and as a result the battery will not generate any more electric current. At this point the battery is considered dead. Primary cells must be disposed of when the battery is dead, secondary cells however, can be recharged And this is accomplished by applying a reverse electric current through the battery. Recharging occurs when the chemicals perform another series of reactions to take them back to their original state. Some of the terminology. People often use a common set of terms when talking about a battery's voltage, capacity, current sourcing capability, and so on. A cell. A cell refers to a single anode or cathode separated by an electrolyte used to produce a voltage and current. A battery can be made up of one or more cells. A single AA battery for example is one cell. Car batteries contain 6 cells at 2.1 volts each. The primary cell. Primary cells contain chemistry that cannot be reversed. As a result the battery must be thrown away after it is dead. Secondary cells. Secondary cells can be recharged and have their chemistry reverted back to their original state, otherwise known as rechargeable batteries. These cells can be used many times. Nominal voltage. The nominal voltage of a battery is the voltage stated by the manufacturer. For example, alkaline AA batteries are listed as having 1.5 volts. Some tests have shown that alkaline batteries start at about 1.55 volts, then slowly lose voltages as they discharge. Another example is, say, a battery pack for a quadcopter, which shows the discharge curve for their lipo cells, starting at about 4.2 volts and then dropping to about 2.8 volts as it discharges. The nominal voltage listed in most lithium ion and lipo cells is about 3.7 volts. In this case, 3.7 volts nominal voltage refers to the average voltage of the battery over its discharge cycle. Capacity: A battery's capacity is a measurement of the amount of electric charge it can deliver at a specific voltage. Most batteries are rated in amp hours or milliamp hours. A lipo battery is typically rated around 1,000 milliamp hours, which means it can provide one amp for one hour before it's considered dead. The C rate. Many batteries, especially powerful lithium-ion batteries, express discharge current as C rate in order to more clearly define battery attributes. C rate is the rate of discharge relative to the battery's maximum capacity. One C is the amount of current required to discharge the battery in one hour. For example. A 400 milliamp battery supplying 1C of current would be supplying 400 milliamps. 5Cs of the same battery would be 2 amps. Most batteries lose capacity at higher current draws. Usage Single cell. Some circuits can be powered by a single cell, but make sure that the battery can provide enough voltage and current. If the voltage is too high or too low for your circuit, you'll likely need a DC to DC converter. Series. In order to increase the voltage between a battery's terminals, you can place the cells in series. Series means stacking the cells end to end, connecting the anode to the cathode or to the next. By connecting the batteries in series, you can increase the total voltage. Add the voltage of all the cells to determine the operating voltage. The capacity stays the same. In most consumer electronics that use alkaline batteries, the batteries are stacked in series. For example, two AA battery holders can raise the nominal voltage to 3 volts for a project. Parallel. If the voltage of a single cell is adequate for the load, you can add batteries in parallel to increase the capacity. Note that this also means that this increases the available current, or the C-rate. Be careful when connecting batteries in parallel. All the cells should have the same nominal voltage and same charge level. If there are any voltage differences, a short circuit could occur causing overheating or a possible fire. Series and Parallel. If you want to increase voltage and capacity, you can combine series and parallel batteries. Once again, make sure that the voltage level is the same for the batteries in parallel as a short circuit can occur. In large battery packs, especially lithium ion, you often see the configuration listed using S and P for series and parallel. As a practical example, modern electric cars use massive arrays of battery connected in series and parallel. So there you go! By now, you should have an understanding of how batteries were invented and how they work. Batteries are one method of producing electric energy to your project, and they can be incredibly useful if you need a portable power source. As always, thank you so much for listening. If there's anything you'd love to hear on the Electric Academy podcast, please get a hold of me. You can reach me at chad at the If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure you share it with as many people as possible and do me a favor and if you could give me some sort of rating if you're on apple itunes or stitcher or spotify or overcast or wherever you're listening to this podcast it helps out just kind of getting the word out and letting other people find out about this all right i promise it won't be a couple months before the next podcast until then stay classy and we'll see you on the other side